0: This podcast is recorded on the unceded and ancestral lands of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Selawatooth Nations. Hello, hello, Discasters. How are you all doing this lovely, lovely summer day? I hope you're all having a wonderful week. Uh, It is summer here in Vancouver and I'm loving it it's great I love the Sun I love the warm I love the heat not so much in the morning when I'm like being woken up and I'm sweating but you know you you take what you can get you take what you get (laughs) so I am incredibly excited for this episode because this episode is the start of the Renaissance and I am beyond excited because these movies these next series of movies mean so much to me. They mean the world to me. They were huge in my... Uh, what's it called? Uh, in my formative years. And, yeah, I just... Uh, everything about them I love, and I'm very excited to talk about them. Okay, so... Yeah, so today's episode is The Little Mermaid. Yay! We love The Little Mermaid. We stand The Little Mermaid. This movie changed everything. Everything this movie, like it pulled the studio out of uh, potential failure. Um, it basically reimagined the concept of the Disney princess, and I'll get into all of that uh soon. But first, we're going to talk about some quick Disney headlines here. Um, this one is interesting, <laughs> all right. Um, so you know how there's like a thing where if you like Google Florida man, and then I think it's your, it's either your name or like your birth month, and you find out something about that happened. Uh, in relation to your either your name or your birth month or something that something 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 weird happens in Florida. Very often, uh, and this headline is no different. Florida man poses as cast member, steals ten thousand dollar R two D two droid in supposed attempt to earn a job at Disney World. I mean uh, there are there are easier ways you could just apply as a Disney cast member anyway so uh the gentleman by the name of David Proudfoot uh Proudfoot Proudfeet uh for my Lord of the Rings friends and fans uh is facing several criminal charges obviously including including grand theft because he stole a $10,000 droid uh, he caught security's attention last month as he pushed a cart on Epcot, uh, Epcot Resorts Boulevard to Walt Disney World Swan Reserve. Uh, he was wearing a name tag that said David and a bright orange safety vest. So, like, he was he was trying. He was definitely trying to you know look the part. Um, but the security officer noticed that the behavior was suspicious, and so he offered to assist. Uh, But then, of course, he he was confused about the location of loading docks and stuff and proper procedures and everything. Uh, So this was all super, super suspicious behavior, obviously. Uh, Proudfoot claimed to be David Rogers and said he was a Walt Disney Company employee stationed at Disney's Yacht Club Resort's receiving division. Uh, But, of course, a bunch of red flags were raised and everything. And so they just kind of clocked him. Right. Like there's no record of anybody in that name in the company so you know needless to say he was caught he couldn't employ he couldn't open an employee locker where he left he claimed to have left his belongings he didn't know any of the proper procedures you know like he got lost going to the yacht club stuff like that uh and then finally Proudfoot admitted his real name showed deputies his driver's license Authorities believe he was trying to distract them from the theft, so he led them around the yacht club. Proudfoot concealed his identity for three and a half hours. I mean, that's pretty impressive in and of itself, I guess. Uh, Proudfoot admitted he, move, he moved an R two D droid worth between six to ten thousand dollars from the Swan Hotel's third floor to an unknown location at the Swan Reserve. Uh, the report said Proudfoot was temporarily per- deprived, or was temporarily depriving, the Swan Hotel of full use of that product. I mean, yeah, because he freaking stole the thing. <laughs> anyway. So he also claimed he took a machine, a game machine, called the Duck Catcher from the Game Center on the first floor of the Dolphin Hotel, which is worth, apparently, $3,500. So, yeah, basically just grand theft. And, yeah, is now just kind of facing charges. But I just think it's hilarious. I just think it's very, very funny. He's like, yeah, no, I'm totally... I, to- Like this is the kind of shit that, like, you, you, you hear about or see in, like, a comedy heist movie. Like, they're doing the thing, and, oh, God, it's going terribly long. Okay, oh like, I can tell, like, you can imagine the, the guy in the van is, like, freaking out, and, like, the straight, like, the, the straight, uh, thief guy is, like, also freaking out because shit's going down. He's like, oh, my God, I gotta go in and save him, and like, This is a plot of a comedy, is what this is. And it's great. And it's hilarious. Uh, Here's some, uh, you know, less exciting news. Uh, The Disney board uh, has voted to unanimously extend CEO Bob Chapek's contract by another three years. So, yeah. um, That's a thing. Apparently, it was unanimous. Uh, Chapek is a member of the board, so I mean, I don't think he's going to be going around trying like threatening people, but just, I don't know. Many were speculating, of course, that he's just going to be pulled, but apparently not according to the board, uh, because the board has been continuously supportive of Uh, This is a quote from uh, from someone on the board. Disney Disney was dealt a tough, a tough hand by the pandemic, yet with Bob at the helm, our businesses, from parks to streaming, not only weathered the storm, but emerged in a position of strength, said Chairman Susan Arnold. In this important time of growth and transformation, the board is committed to keeping Disney on the successful path it is on today, and Bob's leadership is key to achieving that goal. Bob is the right leader at the right time for the Walt Disney Company, and the board has full confidence in him and his leadership team. Sure, y'all may have confidence in him, but your consumers don't. I mean, like, do y'all just not listen to us? Is that just not a thing you do? I don't know. Though the board supports Chapex, several Disney insiders have told members of the press that they don't have faith in the CEO, which is unsurprising. Just gonna say that. So, any whoozles. Uh, here's another one. Um, somebody tried walking into Walt Disney Studios with a gun because Florida... I don't understand why a 44 year old guest from Miami got into an argument with her husband when he brought his handgun to Walt Disney world on their family vacation. Like what the actual fuck you don't need your fucking gun in Disney world. Like how obsessed with guns do you have to be to be like, no man, I'm going to just keep it in the cooler just cause it's a nine millimeter. Why do you need it? You don't fucking need it. I'm so done with this obsession with guns. Like, for fuck's sake. You're going to a theme park. Leave the gun at home. Like, the gun had a magazine with 12 rounds in it. It was a loaded fucking gun. This is ridiculous. It's so infuriating. I don't understand it. Fucking Florida, man. Like, Jesus Christ. Anyway. That's my rant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got really upset just then. But it's just... It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me. Why? You don't need to bring a gun to Disney World. Just... Anyway. Something a little... Like... Now switching tangents again. Uh something hopefully a little more exciting. Uh the Disney Wish has officially set sail. It's officially uh out of the dock, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know ship terminology. I'm not a nautical person. Regardless, the Disney Wish uh has officially been christened. It's it's good to go. It's out on the water. Uh It'll be, I believe, it starts sailing uh, mid July, so that's nice. Uh, they held a big ceremony, uh, in which they uh, they live streamed their christening of the of the thing. Uh, it is available on the Disney Parks YouTube channel. I'll link a uh, I'll link to the uh, live stream uh, live from Port Canaveral. Uh, so yeah, it's like a little half hour show. It's you know, it's cute. It's a show. It is what it is. Uh, and now we're and we're already getting uh, some uh, report backs from, I believe media people who have gone on to the wish to kind of see uh, see what it's about. Uh, because for, like, for example, we already have like um, a video of the World of Mar- the Worlds of Marvel Show, which is one of the restaurants. Uh, it's one of the shows in one of the restaurants on the ship. Uh, it's like a Marvel theme. There's another one that's Frozen themed, uh, where it's the dinner, and then they have like a show uh, in which they incorporate uh, some characters and things like that. So yeah, so that's exciting. So that'll be cool. I'll link. I'll link to that as well. Um, I'll link to the Worlds of Marvel show, and then uh, we've got a little vlog from uh, a Disney family. I'm only assuming. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that'll be sure. So that'll sure to be interesting. And I it, it'll just be nice to kind of see uh, what goes on. And um, what's it called? Uh, just kind of get like the insider stuff of the Disney wish, which is, of course, you know, what we want. We, I, I'm, I'm curious to know about it. Like, the, I've always been curious about the Disney cruises. I have wanted to go on one. I do think it would be fun. But the issue is just picking one. Right? Like, that's the question is which one do you do? So we'll see. I'm excited to kind of see a little more of the intricacies of this one because this is the newest one in the fleet, right? So hopefully, well, we'll see what they do with all the new technology and everything. All right. Now, now, now we get onto the main topic, of course, which is the Little Mermaid yay yes you may applaud we can always applaud the little mermaid the little mermaid is a fantastic movie it's just amazing so to start off uh my general opinions of this movie um it is practically perfect just bottom line the movie is the right length uh, it tells the story in the appropriate beats it needs. It needs, uh, the songs, each and every one of them are a banger. There are no bad songs in this movie. The soundtrack is perfect. Um, Alan Mankin blows it out of the park with the orchestral music or like with the, <clears throat> just with the general movie score. Uh, the characters are i fucking conic. Every single one of them. Um probably my one critique of this film is the is just you know the classic you know 16 year old falling in love with a man when that 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 he just first met or that she just first met so but I mean like that's just a general thing like that's probably the only issue I have with this movie but that's just kind of a it's one of those things where it's like it's such a general note against these kind of the Disney princess movies that it just kind of goes without saying, right? And it's like once you kind of remove that aspect of it, um and then the rest of the movie just kind of is brilliant. Um perhaps of course also the whole her changing herself in order to 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 for for the man. But ultimately it's like she doesn't like she yeah yeah she changes herself physically, but she kind of her personality is very much the same. So she doesn't really change herself necessarily. She just changes her physicality in that she, she trades her fins for legs. Um, she's still very much the same Ariel, right? She's the same quirky, uh, uh, questioning, um, investigative, curious person, right? So her personality doesn't change. Um, the only real thing that changes is the fact that she doesn't have a voice and she has legs. So it's a lot of physical changes. Um, And then, but then in the end, ultimately, like, like he, he loves her for her. Like the, uh, the big hurdle is the fact that she's a mermaid. He's a human. Right. And so to say that she changes herself for a man, I think is a little, it's more nuanced than that because she she she's not changing who she is. She's changing what she is, is what it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anywho. So. Um, OK, so I'm just going to quickly do like a like just rapid fire going to go through the film. Uh, you've you know, this movie, you've seen this film, it's the Little Mermaid who hasn't seen the Little Mermaid. So I'm just gonna go rapid fire through the plot of this movie, just because this is that's what I do. So, we start off the film, of course, with uh, the the uh, we're above the ocean. We're on the ship. We actually meet Prince Eric before we even meet Ariel. So we're on the ship. Fathoms below is being sung, which is a is a freaking great song. I love Fathoms below. It's great uh we have the ship we meet eric we meet uh grimsby we meet the humans it's interesting that we meet the humans first which i think is kind of cool and it's while we're on the ship that like eric kind of like talks about how he loves being on the ocean he loves the sea and everything uh one of the sailors casually mentions like oh we have such uh such a calm day you know with such strong winds king triton must be on our side kind of thing and uh of course he's like well this is nautical nonsense and then one of the other sailors is like no mermaids are real king triton's real and then like drops a fish the fish goes into the water he swims down and then he as he swims down like the music swells and it becomes more and more dramatic and then we see our first glimpses of the merpeople and atlantica and it's just incredible like the music oh god the music is so fucking good uh, um quick note actually about uh, king triton himself so triton uh is actually a member of the um the greek pantheon if i remember correctly uh i believe he is a son of Poseidon. Um, so, yes. So, he's uh, Zeus's brother Poseidon, married Amphitrite, and then gave birth to Triton. Um, if I'm right, Amphitrite is... I think Amphitrite is a human. I think. And so, I think Triton is a demigod? No. I am wrong. I'm very wrong. Sorry, no, I'm very wrong. Amphitrite is the goddess of the sea. As the queen of the sea, uh, I think it's just because, like, because freaking Zeus is out fucking humans left, right, and center. I think I just got confused. Anyway, so Poseidon married uh, Amphitrite, goddess of the sea, uh, and then they gave birth to Triton, who is also uh, a god of the sea. Uh, he's generally represented as a merman, you know, that kind of thing. So that's kind of part of where... Uh, that comes in. So there's, uh, kind of like a fan theory that technically, technically, uh, Ariel and Hercules are cousins, uh, because of course, Hercules is the son of Zeus. Triton is the son of Poseidon. Uh, they would be first cousins. Yes. And then Ariel would be Hercules I think, second cousin once removed. I think. Anyway, that's just getting into semantics. But yeah, so yeah, so King Triton uh, is an actual being in mythology, and yeah, so uh, I think that's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, so we so here we we arrive in in Atlantica, and we discover that it is the night of uh, of a concert that Sebastian has put together because Sebastian is the court composer, um, and also Triton's advisor we first meet triton when he is introduced he comes out in like a giant shell being led by dolphins and you know he comes out and he's big daddy triton he's very attractive very attractive uh disney had no right had no right to make king triton this attractive and yet they did um and we thank them for it (laughs) uh it's interesting because I think uh, The Little Mermaid was early on in my life that Triton wasn't uh, like the earliest experience of uh, gay attraction that I ever had. Technically, the er- some of the earliest ones I can think of, if we're talking like Disney, is uh, actually Zeus himself. He was some of the earliest uh, that I've ever been attracted to. Uh, and so kind of w- like the subtle hints of my queerness from very, from a very, very young age. Uh, and yeah, so we have that. Uh, and then, uh, yes, yeah, so we have the concert. So the concert begins and then they sing the song uh, with all of Triton's daughters. Uh, let me see if I can list the daughters. Uh, the daughters... Oh, geez. Like, they are they all start with A, which I think is hilarious. Um, you have Atina, Alana, Aquata, Arista, Adela, Andrina, and then, of course, Ariel. Now, but here's the thing. While they're singing their little song, they're all kind of doing, like, it's like an intro song to them, which is kind of weird. Um, but then it gets to Ariel, and, oh, Ariel isn't there. So Triton's pissed. <laughs> Turns out we cut to Ariel. This is where we finally meet our protagonist. So Ariel is off uh, doing a little bit of investigating. Uh, she's, you know, she's super intri- intrigued by human things. and She finds a sunken ship. She goes in to search for them some things. She ends up finding a fork and gets really excited about the fork because, I guess, they don't have cutlery in, in Atlantica. Here's the thing. Here's what's very interesting to me is, like, she's so interested in the fork, um, which, by the way, in the film is animated with three tines. So technically, it's a trident, which is interesting because Triton wields a trident. And so, like, does she just not know that a, that's just like a mini trident? I mean, I don't know. Anyway, it's fine. Plot. um. <laughs> And so, so she, finds the, she finds the fork, what we know as a fork. What, she has no idea what it is. They get chased by a shark. They go up to the surface. They meet Scuttle, who is like a seagull who knows, sort of knows human things, but also doesn't know anything about human things. <laughs> and so he finds the fork. Uh, he, or he, they show him the fork. He calls it a dinglehopper. Uh, apparently, it's what humans use to comb their hair, a.k.a. a brush or a comb. Uh, and then yeah and then they also found like uh like in the in the ship they also found a pipe uh and he's like this is a snorf and it's used to make music and then he tries to pull music out of it but like a bunch of gunk comes out of it and then ariel remembers about the concert and so she sends Ben down to atlantica and she gets in trouble because she wasn't there she gets scolded uh and then triton finds out that she went to the surface and she get and he gets pissed about that because he has a law specifically about not going to the surface, especially Ariel, considering that she's so interested in it. Right? The thing is, uh, is so this is kind of where we get a little bit of the the plot in that uh, Triton is very, very much afraid and is very anti-human, whereas Ariel is very in, interested by them and intrigued by them and wants to learn more about them, wants to get to know them kind of thing, right? Uh, but her being 16 and Triton being, you know, the, the I guess, not overly obsessive father, but just, like, the overly protective father, like, just scolds her and yells at her and everything, right? So this relationship is, we kind of see that it's a little tenuous in that sense. uh, But we, it's, he, Triton is really only doing this out of love for her because he's afraid for her. He wants to protect her. Now, in my opinion, I think Triton is being too harsh on her and is not giving her a chance to explain herself and not giving Ariel a chance to just give her side of the story, give her peace because she wants to, she wants to tell him about it. She wants to like share her experiences and her, you know, and her passions and stuff with him. But he's just not having it because he only sees the fear. And so this is kind of a bit of a lesson in like, you know, don't let your fear control you in that sense. Do, do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah. So cut to uh, Sebastian being given the duty of watching over her, of watching over Ariel. And so he, Sebastian follows Ariel and Flounder, her little fish friend, over to her grotto. Uh, which is where she keeps all of her human things. Now, random thing about Sebastian. Uh, first off, I don't know why he has a Jamaican accent. That's just interesting. It's never really established where this pl- this takes place, like where this film takes place. Um, but I mean, it's got to be somewhere with like some coral reefs because it looks like there's like coral around. And the water looks really good. Like the, when we see a lot of light come through the come through the the surface, it doesn't seem to be that deep. If it, if you get that much sunlight, but that's clearly clearly uh, just like artistic uh, interpretation, and just for the purposes of, of you know having a movie, you know what I mean. Like uh, you're gonna have to cut some corners in regards to realism. And I mean, like, you know, this is a movie about mermaids and (laughs) merpeople. Anyway, so Sebastian follows them to her grotto. And this is where we get probably one of the most brilliant songs in this movie. And it's one of my favorites. It makes me emotional every time. This is where we get Ariel's I Want song. This is where we get Part of Your World. So she sings Part of Your World. Fun fact about Part of Your World. It was almost not in the movie. It was almost... Pulled from the film uh, because Jeffrey Katzenberg thought that it was just boring, and apparently at a test screening, some children were restless during the song, which didn't even have any finished animation in it. Uh, like it just looked to him that kids were not interested in that sequence. But our good friend and I, an icon, Howard Ashman kept on pushing for it he kept on pushing to keep the song in there because this is in Howard's opinion well not even his opinion it's just a fact in uh, according to Howard this is the I want song because one of the things that made this movie so different from a lot of the others is that or from a lot of other like movie musicals that came before it in regards to like the Disney animated features is that this movie was structured very similarly to a musical, like an actual musical. Because, of course, both Howard Ashman and Alan Menken had have, have worked on Broadway. They tried to make shows. They wrote, they freaking wrote Little Shop of Horrors, for God's sake, right? So they had experience in making musicals. And so they turned this film into, or Howard specifically made this movie like a musical. You have the opening number with Fathoms Below. You have the I Want song with Part of Your World. Right. So, um, you have reprises later on in the movie. Uh, so his whole thing, uh, is that this, this song is incredibly important to the movie. And then of course now it's you, I cannot imagine this movie without this song. This song is so damn good. It's brilliant. It's, it's perfection. Uh, and then yeah, so Ariel does that. Uh, there's some very fun little uh, little bits in this movie uh, because during it, like, aside from like all of the other cute little stuff that she points out, there's like there are books that she pulls out, which is interesting considering that a book underwater would just be ruined. Um, there's a painting. There's a painting that she touches when she t- when she's referencing fire. Uh, the painting is uh, a a painting from 1640. It's called Magdalene with the Smoking Flame uh, by Georges de la Tour. Uh, Just a little piece of info about that, just so you know that it is an actual painting. Uh, I don't know much about the painting itself, but other than the fact that it's just in the movie. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah. uh, So she sings the song, and then afterwards, uh, Sebastian. she finds Sebastian. She pleases Sebastian to not tell her father and so he promised he promises to do so so it's fine and then they find a sh- the ship eric's ship is going above them and so they swim up and they see that there's a big celebration because it's eric's birthday so ariel this is where ariel first catches glimpse of prince eric so she sees him and she's like he's beautiful this is amazing and they're watching them dance and sing and everything uh grimsby gives eric a statue of himself which is hilarious <laughs> Um, Of course, Eric is like, really? Uh, I, I like Prince Eric. I like him. I think he's cool. I think he's chill. You know, he just he's he just wants to be, you know, he's it's not he's not afraid of taking up the crown. He just doesn't want to do it just yet kind of thing. He doesn't think, you know, he'd much rather be out on the sea. You know, he wants to have a little bit more freedom, I think, before he's being before he's forced to quote unquote settle down, right? Which I can totally understand and I can vibe with. Um and so during this, a hurricane arrives. Uh the ship is basically, you know, trashed. Almost or everybody escapes, fortunately, except Prince Eric is thrown overboard because he's saving his dog. Yes, he has a dog. It's a sheepdog. He is adorable. It's amazing. Anyway, so he saves his dog. uh, But unfortunately Prince Eric is thrown overboard now ariel goes and saves him and then this is where we get like a beautiful moment where now eric sees ariel for the first time while she's singing and so like there's a beautiful shot of her like over him with like her hair down and the light behind her it's a beautiful beautiful scene uh and so he kind of like wakes up you know he's all groggy he thinks it's a dream and everything and then she is she she swims away and like hides behind a rock and then we get the then we get the reprise of party world that big epic moment where she's like on the rock and she like pushes herself up and the big splash of water behind her like it seriously like how many times in this movie are there just iconic moments like there are iconic moments everywhere in this film it's a great movie uh, anyway and so from there she swims back down eric goes back to his kingdom and then uh, The next morning, Ariel is, like, back at the palace. She's with all her sisters. She's very, like, la, 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 la. And all the sisters are like, well, fuck, now she's in love. Uh, King Triton is like, ooh, I wonder who the lucky merman is, right? And, like, obviously not knowing. Ariel kind of, like, swims away. And then uh, we cut to a moment with Ariel kind of, like, plucking a sea flower. Going, like, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. Sebastian tries to kind of convince her that this is all, you know, just don't bother with this. This is going to end disaster and everything. And then we get this other iconic song, Under the Sea. This, again, another freaking banger. This when I, when I say this movie has no bad songs, I firmly believe it. Even the weaker ones, like The Daughters of Triton, is a super fun jam. Like, come on. It's great. Anyway. So uh, Under the Sea happens. Everybody has a party. It's a good fucking time. After the song is over, or, or actually during the song, Flounder pulls Ariel away, kind of sneaks her away. Sebastian finishes the song, finds out that she, he, she's vanished, and he's like, somebody should really pin that girl's fins to the floor. It's very funny. Uh, the little sea house messenger arrives and tells Sebastian that King Triton needs him now. It's regarding Ariel. And so Sebastian panics. He's like, shit, he knows. Oh, God. Uh, cut to... Um, the palace. Triton sees Sebastian. Sebastian's all like quirky or, or quivering and shaky. He's nervous. And he starts being like, and Triton starts poking at him with questions like, Have you noticed anything different about Ariel? You know, that Ariel's in love and all this other things. And then Sebastian like basically spills the beans. Going on about how it's like, Oh, like I told him not to do it. I told him not to go to the surface. And then with the human, blah, blah. blah. And then Triton is pissed. He is pissed furious and so ariel and flounder are back at the grotto and there she sees the statue the statue that was on the ship it's there in the grotto and she's all she's kind of fawning all over she's like oh eric you know she's like in love with the statue it's hilarious and then triton arrives and this is where we get this is where we get the trigger moment to act two triton is pissed he's furious and so he destroys the grotto basically he destroys every piece of human everything and Ariel is devastated she is devastated and it's at that moment that uh Flotsam and Jetsam who are Ursula's uh kind of hench eels henchman eels things anyway they're literally her eyes and ears uh, they have, like, a magic eye that they can, that she can, uh, see through. Uh, and so Ursula tells them to, like, pull her or, like, bring her in. And so they convince Ariel to go with them to go see Ursula, the sea witch. Uh, now here's the interesting thing, is that Ursula, uh, is based off of another kind of, uh, what's it called, um a creature of mythology as well uh she is known as and i'm gonna try and pronounce it correctly because i don't actually know how to pronounce it um uh cecalia a Cecalia. but regardless she is she's a certain she's like another kind of merfolk a uh, mer person that has that is part octopus or octopus in, in the lower body as opposed to a fish um now here's the funny thing is that like if you notice if you notice the way that ursula is designed uh two things number one she has six tentacles that's because she has two arms that makes eight limbs because an octopus has eight limbs number two ursula is based uh, or is modeled after one of the most iconic drag queens in the 80s uh that came out of the little town of baltimore the, uh, the incredible personality that was known as Divine. Uh, Howard Ashman is from Baltimore. And he, so he knew about Divine. I don't know if he knew her personally, but Divine was a drag queen who was made famous by working with uh, the iconic queer filmmaker, director, producer, writer, Uh, John Waters. Now, (laughs) if you've never seen any of John Waters' films, uh, I don't blame you. They are very strange. Um, However, there is one John Waters property that I'm sure you have heard of. It is called Hairspray. So he made the movie Hairspray, which in the beginning was never a musical, and Divine played Edna Turnblad. Uh, So Divine has basically been a drag queen for the majority. Like, she was one of the first, like, famous drag queens. Uh, she was at least famous for being super trashy and, like, that kind of aesthetic. Um, unfortunately, she would pass away shortly before finally kind of nabbing uh, an actual, like, TV role. Like, she, uh, at, in, uh, as a boy, auditioned for a television show and actually got the role, but then, unfortunately, would pass away. But Howard Ashman saw Divine and basically modeled Ursula after Divine. So Ursula is based off of a drag queen. And honestly, we love it. Like Ursula Ursula is such a fucking drag queen when you watch it. She's dramatic and ridiculous and hilarious and I love it. Yes, she's a villain and she's a terrible person, but she's hilarious and great. Anyway. So Sebastian and Flounder try and convince Ariel to not go to Ursula's, to, to Ursula's lair. But Ariel's like, I don't give a shit. I'm going anyway, blah, blah, blah. So she arrives at Ursula's lair. Ursula convinces Ariel to that the only way that she can get her man is by going up there as a human. And so she gives her the option. Uh, gives Ursula her voice in order to give her in order for urza to give ariel legs this is where we get poor unfortunate souls another iconic song now chances are if you've ever gone to any drag show especially any disney themed drag show you've seen a drag queen perform this number poor unfortunate souls is such a classic drag queen number and i think it's partly because of its roots in relation to the fact that ursula is based off of a drag queen um and so yeah so this is where we get poor poor unfortunate souls Uh, uh ursula bestows the contract upon ariel ariel gets legs ursula gets her voice and uh and so that whole transaction happens the whole sequence is great now ariel now has legs she's quickly swum up to the surface by Flounder and Sebastian. And there she is. She is now officially full human. So now the question begins, what happens next? Well, what happens next is Ariel somehow is able to walk, even though she's never been on, on. she's never had to stand in her life. She's only ever floated. Um, she especially is standing on sand, which is famously awful to stand and walk on. Uh, but eventually she's found by uh, Eric and his dog and he's like he's like, I you're you're familiar for some reason and everything. He's like trying to pin it together, but of course she can't speak. And so he's like, oh, okay well, it's fine, whatever. So brings her back to the palace. They wash her up, they, they, you know, give her food, and they, they save her and everything. Uh, now we get... And this is where we get a very fun sequence. Uh, Sebastian finds himself uh, in the kitchen, and Chef Louis is preparing some seafood. Uh, because it seems like the, the kingdom that Eric belongs to, uh, the kingdom is right next to the ocean. And so my assumption is that this kingdom... The one of the main commodities, or at least one of the main things that this uh, kingdom is in charge for, is, at the very least, seafood. At the very least, is like fishing and stuff like that. Especially because at the beginning of the movie, in the in the boat, we see that these sailors are out fishing, like they're fishing and everything. Right. So, at the very least, my assumption is that this kingdom is actually quite prosperous because of it being so close to the ocean. Or basically, right on the ocean, that uh, it's most likely a stopover for trade routes and everything. And so, it's most likely a very prosperous kingdom. This is me super deeply analyzing this thing. It doesn't need to be analyzed that deeply. <laughs> but regardless, so, Sebastian finds himself in the kitchen. Uh, Chef Louis is preparing stuffed crab. <laughs> and this is where we get the song Les Poissons. Now, when I tell you that every song in this movie is iconic, I'm not kidding. Even this song, which is just a short, tiny, little, hilarious song, Les Poissons, which is basically just Chef Louis just singing about how he prepares seafood, this song is also iconic in the sense that it's to the point of where of where Chef Louis is, like, advertised as, like, a cast member, if that makes sense. Like, when uh, they did a live version of The Little Mermaid... uh I don't know if it was with NBC or whomever it was with, but it was like um, Queen Latifah was Ursula. Uh, I think Shaggy was Sebastian. Uh, And uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody um, somebody was Chef Louis. And the funny thing is, is that like on the poster, he's included. Like he's included in the thing. Like, in, 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 the, in the advertising of the poster, which is very strange because he's, like, a one-off character. And yet, and yet there he is. Yes, it was NBC. Uh, John Stamos was Chef Louis, which is wild to me. Uh, Auli'i Carvalho was also uh, Ariel. Uh, Auli'i Carvalho is the voice of Moana. But regardless, any hoozles. So, yeah, like, so it's wild that, like, that would be the case. But then hilarity ensues. Chef Louis finds Sebastian. Sebastian's running around trying not to get killed and eaten and cooked. Uh, and then eventually Eric takes uh, Ariel out to the kingdom. There's actually a very funny uh, funny moment in, while they're in the dining room where like Ariel sees a, fo- a fork on the table and starts like combing her hair. And Eric and Grimsby look at her like, are you okay? It's just very silly. And then Grimsby starts smoking a pipe, and Ariel grabs the pipe from him and like blows it to try and make some some music because again she thinks it's a musical instrument. She doesn't know, right? Uh, but it's it's very funny. And then uh, cut to Eric taking uh, Ariel out onto or out to um, to see the kingdom, and so we see a little bit of what the kingdom looks like. Again, I I firmly believe this is like a fe- seafaring uh, town, uh, and it's pretty. It's it's fun. It's it's like the it's not the meet cute moment of the of the film but it's like that moment where we kind of see them kind of start to really like each other, or at the very least eric start to really like ariel and then from there they move on to a, a wonderful uh moonlit boat ride uh and it's very romantic it's adorable but then eventually everybody's all fed up because they haven't kissed yet and so they decide to help along um eric starts trying to get to know ariel a little more but of course ariel can't say anything because she can't she literally cannot say anything but then sebastian takes everything into his own hands and then he starts to sing a song and this is where we get kiss the girl Again, another iconic song in this movie. So, Kiss the Girl happens. It's beautiful. They are just about to kiss. Uh, Eric gets uh, Ariel's name uh, because Sebastian whispers it in his ear. (laughs) It's very funny. Uh, And so, we get that moment, but Flotsam and Jetsam flip the boat because things are getting too close. And Ursula doesn't want that to happen because her ultimate goal is revenge on uh, Triton. Now, in the movie, it's unsure who, how, what the relation is between them, right? But what we understand, or there's what we understand, is that she used to live in the palace. She must have been part of the court. We don't know what she, we don't know what role, but she got exiled, uh, most likely by Triton. Now, there's a deleted scene, and this is something that they touch on in uh, the stage musical because in the broader musical they bring this point back, is that they. It used to be that Ursula was actually Triton's sister. Now, how do I feel about that point? I mean, I guess it kind of like it kind of works. It kind of helps a little bit. I don't think it ruins it at all. I don't think it changes much. Uh, If anything, if if she was his sister and then he exiled her, then, you know, there's more reason for her to be pissed, I guess. Um, but yeah, but it's just that's just a little piece of info that uh, we used to have, but then they deleted from the movie for whatever reason. So Ursula decides to take things into her own hands, and so she creates a spell that will transform her into a human. Uh, and so that night, Eric is out there, kind of again like pining for this for this mystery girl, whereas Grimsby is like, dude, like you got you got a girl right there who's like real and is awesome so like get your shit together uh and so eric's like okay fine fuck it and so like throws his foot to the water but then this is where we hear this is where we hear ariel's voice and it's like what the hell is going on so we, so eric looks around and sees a woman walking on the beach uh and then we see this little stream of smoke coming out of uh, the conch shell that uh ursula has around her neck and then uh Eric gets put under a spell the next morning we receive news by Scuttle who had been hearing it around the kingdom apparently that Eric is going to be married and so Ariel gets all excited because of course they all think it's going to be her and then she arrives in the main like in the main uh, I guess room hall whatever of the castle and there, she sees Eric with Ursula in disguise. Now, the the woman that the name of the woman that she is pretending to be is named Vanessa, but we never really hear the name Vanessa anyway. So, just so you're aware, I'm going to be referring to her as Vanessa, not Ursula. Uh, and so she's like this beautiful, uh, this beautiful woman with brunette hair and everything has the constellation around her neck, has fu- fully has Eric under her spell, and so Ariel gets devastated. Uh, and so they plan to be wed that night before sun before sunset, or, like, at sunset, basically. Cut to, uh, like, literally cut to, like, the next scene is the ship going away. Like, they didn't even bother going through the day's things. Uh, and so cut to uh, the ship sailing off into the sunset. Ariel is there on the dock. She's devastated. She's upset. Uh, and so... Yeah, and so then Scuttle kind of flies over to the ship to see what's going on. She sees she sees Vanessa talking to herself, and then she sees in the mirror that it's Ursula in the reflection, and so she so Scuttle quickly flies back and is basically like, "Hey, like this broad is or this this broad is friggin' Ursula in disguise, and this is terrible and everything." And so they cho- so Sebastian swims down to get King Triton, Ariel splashes into the water, swim to the ship, uh. Uh, with the help of Flounder to try and stop the wedding. Scuttle, with, like, a bunch of other animals, like, goes to the ship to, dis- to disrupt the wedding. They arrive at the wedding. Hilarity ensues. Uh, Vanessa eventually gets her conch shell removed and broken, and then the voice returns to Ariel. The spell gets broken on Eric, and then Ariel is able to 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 be like to be like, look, I'm sorry. Like I tried to tell you, but I couldn't, and everything. And so, uh, then unfortunately, right before they're about to kiss, sun the sun finally sets, and then the the contract is then uh, enacted. Ariel becomes a mermaid again. Vanessa transforms back into Ursula, and then drags Ariel down into the water. Now, here's the thing. Eric, you just witnessed your girlfriend transform into a mermaid. How are you going? How are you not going to react? How are you just going to stand there like everything is fine, even though everything is not fine? It's just wild to me that he just doesn't react to it, like just doesn't react. It's so, so very silly. But anyway, so that happens, uh, and so it's there that Ursula kind of tells Ariel's like, "Look, you're not the one I'm after." and then is taken her uh back to her grotto but then is disrupted by king triton and then ursula explains that they that they have a contract so triton puts his name in the contract instead uh and then ariel is free from the contract and then triton uh kind of gets transformed into like this little weird little polyp thing with the beat with a giant mustache which is hilarious uh and now ursula has the triton or the trident she is now the ruler of the seas uh, Eric rows out t- to try and save Ariel, and then the two of them kind of fight against Ursula. Ursula transform or like changes. Uh, she grows into this massive, massive sea monster. She's like controlling the tides with the trident. She's like, Meh, she's drunk on power. Uh, and then at one point, Eric gets onto a boat, uh, like a sunken ship, uh, presumably the same one that they had seen before that we saw early in the film. But the front mast is broken, and so he rows the ship around this whirlpool that she's creating, and then stabs Ursula with the front of the ship, and then this is how Ursula dies. So she gets stabbed, uh, and then she just kind of explodes. Uh, The trident falls with the crown uh, into the onto the bottom of the ocean. Triton transforms back, so do all the other mer people that were like stuck in the grotto, also as weird little like squiggly polyp things. Uh and then yeah, and then Ariel saves Eric again. Uh or no, sorry, no. Eric ends up going back to uh to shore on his own, and Ariel's just kind of like pining for him, and it's this moment that Triton kind of understands, it's like, oh, like she's really in love with him, isn't he, isn't she? And Sebastian's like, oh, you know, you gotta you gotta let children live their own lives and stuff, and it's like a complete 180 to what how he was earlier in the movie. It's very funny. Uh, and so Triton kind of you know, lets her go, you know, Uh, lets the marriage happen, even though she's 16, and he's, I don't know, early 20s, like, he's probably six years older than she is, Uh, I don't know, it's weird, it's a little problematic, but again, those are, like, one of the only real problematic issues, or main issues that I have with this movie in the first place, right, like, in the grand scheme, anyway, so it's a beautiful ending, uh, and then they just sail off into the sunset a happy married couple with a uh, part of your world reprising for the third time uh here at the end of the movie and that's it and that's the little mermaid it's beautiful like the animation is beautiful the songs are incredible the music is gorgeous like this movie has almost no bad points except for like a couple i would give this a 9 out of 10 9 out of 10 it is brilliant This movie single-handedly changed everything after coming out of the Bronze Age. Because it was just kind of like... It was more or less failure after failure up until this point. And then The Little Mermaid happened. And it rewrote the story. It revolutionized everything. It started the concept of the Disney movie musical. It uh, kind of reinterpreted the classic princess idea you know this the dis the the idea of the disney princess um you know having like or uh, having her songs or and having like her animal sidekicks uh falling for a man with upon first meeting kind of thing you know what i mean so like this movie uh reinterpreted all of those things and uh yeah, and just kind of brought them in for a new generation, uh, and like I said, single-handedly pulled the studio like out of almost complete failure. If you haven't seen this movie, and it is bonkers to me that there are people who haven't, because I'm sure people haven't, you need to watch this movie. Came out November seventeenth, nineteen eighty nine, with a budget of forty million dollars, box office two hundred thirty five, and continues to make money. Like the property, like there's a Disneyland ride, uh, there's a storybook ride. Uh, Jodie Benson, who is the voice of Ariel, has basically built her entire career out of being the voice of Ariel. Like she's done other things, yeah. Like uh, she gave the voice of Weebo in Flubber, uh, starring Robin Williams. Uh, she was the voice of Thumbelina in 1994, which is, you know, awesome. Uh, she was in Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventure, uh, 101 Dalmatians 2, Patch's London Adventure, uh, Balto 2 II and 3. Uh, she was Patrick Dempsey's assistant Sam in Disney's live action Enchanted, which is also a very a surprisingly fun movie, actually. Um, but, like, she's most notably known as the voice of Ariel. Uh, she has, like, come to a bunch of various Disney events to kind of... Uh, you know do those things anyway but yeah and like if you if you hear her sing like she still has it like she's still got it she's fucking great Uh, but she's got a pretty killer um, uh, IMDB but if ever there is a version of Ariel an English version of Ariel she is it she is the voice of Ariel so that's Jody she's she's forever a disney princess you know and so like uh what can you do with that like when you're a disney princess i feel like you're kind of set to go you're kind of set for life more or less now let's take a look at some other things here like little bits of trivia uh in regards to uh this movie uh there is a fun moment uh in the crowd uh in the opening scene when king triton enters in this st- in the stadium or arena no in the theater before the concert uh mickey goofy donald and kermit can be seen in the crowd uh there's there's that famous instance of the fact there used to be a a penis on the cover of the movie on the cover of the v, the vhs cover of this film uh of course that has since been rectified of course you can't you can't find it anymore it's not a thing um what else uh the tales of Ariel's sisters are all representative of various uh, or of the colors of the rainbow. So that's kind of cool. And yeah, I mean, there's a possibility that Prince Eric may be related to Prince Philip and Princess Aurora. Uh, Apparently in the dining room in Eric's castle on Ariel's first evening on land, there was a painting hanging on the wall. The couple bear striking resemblance to Aurora and Philip. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true, because I think I think Sleeping Beauty is a Brothers Grimm story. I think Sleeping Beauty is a Brothers Grimm. uh, Whereas uh, The Little Mermaid is Hans Christian Andersen, if I'm correct. Yes. Uh, Sleeping Beauty is Brothers Grimm and uh, Little Mermaid is Hans Christian Andersen. Yes. Uh, Now, this is something that's kind of like known within... Uh, people kind of know the story but the ending of this movie is also incre- is also very different uh the end the ending in the book is actually very very sad uh ariel gets like basically rejected and like dies she becomes like seafoam at the end uh so i'm kind of glad they changed that ending <laughs> uh it's t- i'm not going to go into the to the details of how they differ because then that's that'll just be like crazy like going back and forth back and forth uh now there are two sequels to this film uh which I will cover I'm going to cover uh the next the next one um next week uh which is about her daughter uh it's called uh, little mermaid 2 return to the sea now I remember watching this one I do recall this one coming out uh but then there's a prequel called the little mermaid ariel's beginning uh, which came out in 2008 uh, so we'll, we'll touch on those two later on. Um, but there's also now, and I'm sure you've heard this, is that there is a live action Little Mermaid being released, uh, with Lin-Manuel Miranda head, uh, helming some new songs for the movie. So here's the thing with that is that Lin has, he- has a hell of a job to do because apparently they're keeping a bunch of the old songs, which... How can you not? Because uh, of course Alan Menken is still working on this film, as he should. Uh, but now you have the pressure of having to match up to Howard Ashman, to Howard Ashman's genius. That's now that's that's going to be tough. So we'll see how Lin does. So far, I think he's done really well. Like he he did really well. He did amazing with Moana. Like the songs of Moana are incredible. I mean. Yeah, I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. We'll see how it goes. Uh, there is the big controversy, of course, with Halle Bailey being cast as Ariel. Uh, the issue is, of course, hair. I say issue. Uh, the supposed issue is that Halle Berry is black and Ariel is not. Um, but here's my thing. Um, it doesn't fucking matter. Get over it. Get over your racist ass self (laughs) it doesn't change anything it changes nothing my one big thing is that is i hope they give her at least a red wig uh because to me that's the more iconic thing the more iconic thing for ariel is the red hair that to me i think that to me matters more than her skin color like i don't give a shit if she i could give a shit if she if they made her asian i don't care what matters to me is that they make her a redhead because just the hair is so iconic uh they did such an amazing job of animating it how it flows in the water and stuff like fuck me so i'm excited about that the other thing the other thing is that ursula is being has been cast uh as no sorry melissa mccarthy has been cast as ursula here's my issue with this i love melissa mccarthy I do. I think she's amazing. She's definitely yes, she's more known to be comedic. She does also have a dramatic side because if you can do comedy you can you can do drama. That's just the bottom line. You it it's been proven time and time again. Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, you can do it. Now my thing is that I think they should have gotten a drag queen to do it. I think I firmly believe they should have gotten a drag queen to portray uh, Ursula. For the longest time, people were pining for Latrice Royale to be cast as Ursula. If you don't know who Latrice Royale Royale is, she is a very well-known drag queen who used to be on RuPaul's Drag Race, which is uh, a, a TV competition show about drag queens. And part of that is because Ursula is so... Like, she is a fucking drag queen. But also because the character of Ursula has very much been, you know co-opted within the drag community and she's very often a character that people that drag queens portray and everything but also her roots in being based off of a drag performer being based off of divine right and so it, to me it would behoove the studio to have casted uh a drag queen as ursula don't care who as long as it's a fat drag queen that's what i care about like i don't want like i like, I think they should keep Ursula fat, you know, for lack of a better word. Big, thick, however you want to say it, they should they should keep her that. And we'll see how it goes, because I know Melissa McCarthy has lost a lot of weight, which is fine. Entirely her choice. No issue with that. It's just like there are these it's these it feels a little like. Like unnecessary, unnecessary editing, Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't need to be... She doesn't need to be thinned out. She doesn't need to be uh, a, cis, a cis straight woman. She doesn't need to be white. She, she's gray in the movie, for God's sake. It, her skin color literally does not matter. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, that's that's my opinion of that. Uh, Lynn is apparently rumored to be uh, Chef Louis, so, now that's going to be funny. Um, Aquafina is cast as Scuttle, which I'm on board for i think that'll be hilarious javier bardem is king triton we'll see how that goes i mean javier bardem is kind of handsome yeah so we'll see we'll see how that goes uh and divi Diggs is cast as sebastian that's also exciting but ultimately yeah like i'm excited i'm i'm pretty excited for for this remake um i don't have set dates for when it's supposed to be released um it's expected to come out in may of 2023 we'll see because i know that they uh covid really fucked up a lot of the production uh so who knows anyway so little mermaid banger of a film go watch this movie watch it with your daughters watch it with your sons watch it with your with your non-binary child watch it it's great. It's amazing. This movie kicked off the renaissance period and then it was just hit after hit after hit after hit. Like even well after the renaissance was over. In my opinion, some of the movies that came out after the renaissance, well actually there's like there's the post renaissance period which was kind of a little wonky. I think it started with like Chicken Little and Home on the Range, which are kind of which are questionable in my opinion, they're kind of meh. Anyway, um So, yeah, that's exciting. I love The Little Mermaid. Okay, so uh, two last points here before I close out the show. Number one, a bit of a shameless plug. I'm going to link a video to a cover that I did, actually, of uh, Under the Sea that I arranged and, ma- and did myself. Um, it's it's not great, it's not perfect, but I just, I wanted to do it because I, I, I firmly leave that under the CSO so easily to cover and so easily to to kind of rearrange and I just wanted to take a crack at it. So I'm going to link that. It's a bit of a shameless plug for myself, but you know. Um, and now also uh, something that I completely missed at the top of the show, but guess what just released a trailer? freaking Hocus Pocus 2 so I'm gonna link the trailer to that as well uh and yeah I want to hear some opinions we can we can talk about it next week because we don't really have time this week but yeah so that's exciting Hocus Pocus 2 is officially coming it's officially here or on its way so until next week uh I love you all uh enjoy the sunshine if you have some uh enjoy your summer uh, make sure you throw on your sunscreen, drink your water, stay hydrated, have some food, take your meds, all that jazz. Take care of yourselves, and we'll we'll chat next time. Bye. <laughs>